0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God.
1: Excellent, and welcome to all our first-time guests. Can we hear for our first-time guests here in this place? We're so glad that you're with us today. So glad to worship God with you. Excellent. You are at Redemption Church, right? You you got here. That's where you are. You're at Redemption Church. Everybody watching, listening online, hello. You could find us, who knows how, on the interwebs. You're at Redemption Church in Plano, Texas. My name is Chris Fluitt, and I am going to share the Word of God with you today. I'm so excited to do so. We have been talking about a leadership series from who? From Jesus. (laughs) That's our Connect Group series. We get all confused. We've been studying the greatest leadership model of all time. Do you understand that Jesus is the greatest leadership model of all time? If you don't believe that, you need to go back to the first week. We took some time and really dug that out. Our world is filled with leadership books, right? When you go to uh, Barnes & Noble, there is just a self-help section that you can never Uh, exhaust yourself in there's leadership books all over the place there's always a new one coming out and there are some great things there We, we wouldn't put any of those books down i think it is important to say though that in this leadership series we are not taking the leadership ideas from the world and presenting them in the church that's not what we're doing we're not going oh man good there's a good idea over there that this guy wrote The church needs to know that. No, we're not doing that. In fact, it is actually the opposite of that. All the leadership books, the conferences, the seminars are taking the leadership values of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and presenting them to the world. I want you to get that flip right there. Do you understand that? We aren't just taking those worldly ideas and baptizing them for the sake of using them in the church. No, they've taken them from the church. Hey, while you're taking them from the church, you should take our Savior too. Because he's what it's all about. Oh my gosh. And that's absolutely the truth. If you like the teachings of Jesus, and who wouldn't? You, you, you can run into atheists all the time. And go, ah, I don't believe in God. We love you, atheists. That's no problem. You're welcome here anytime. I would just suggest, oh, you don't love God. You don't believe in God. All right. But check out this Jesus guy because I think you would love him. I think you'd be blown away by who he is. I think you'd be blown away by what he says. And I think he's well worth your time. Anybody agree with that? Is he well worth your time? Oh, yeah, Jesus, you are well worth our time. The greatest leadership model is Jesus. And guess what? That makes the greatest leadership book. It's ex- it's the Bible. That you could just say the top sixty-six leadership books are the Bible. All right, a little Bible humor there to get y'all warmed up. All right, that did not work, but here we go. I would tell you my, my point on that is there's not really a second a close second to Jesus in the realm of leadership. There's not a, a close second to the Bible in the knowledge and the wisdom you can get from that. And I, I will I believe that with all of my heart. To reiterate. We're not taking the leadership ideas of the world and attributing to Jesus. We are actually taking back the leadership principles, lessons, and the model of Jesus Christ. Because they belong to who? They belong to Christ followers. Belongs to us. Everybody say, take it back. Take it back. How many of y'all are leaders? Raise your hand if you're a leader. Y'all should know by now, right? And if you didn't, it's all right. You can come back to... Uh, Week one. All right. Leadership is what? It's a one-word thing. Influence. Influence. And everyone has influence. So guess what? You are a leader. In some realm, you are leading someone. In some sphere of influence, you have influence. That makes you a leader. And that's so good. We're glad you're here because the world is in such need of leaders. Families are in such need of leaders. This community is in such need of leaders. And here you are. I think that's a good thing. I want you to own your leadership influence because you've been given that influence by God. Christians should be the greatest leaders because we follow the greatest leader of all time. In week one, we talked about the heart of the leader. Everybody remember that? Ba-bum, ba-bum, heart, And then week two, I horrified you with the story of losing your finger to a terrorist. We talked about the hands of a leader, right? Both weeks are available at redemptionplano.com. We encourage you to check those out there, or our podcast, subscribe there, all that stuff. Like, rate, subscribe, leave comments, all that. Today I want to talk to you in the third week about the head of a leader. Everyone said the head of a leader. Now, you've probably heard of this compliment, right? They have a good head on their shoulders, right? The head is responsible for a lot in your body. In fact, it's kind of necessary. You lose your head, you, you don't have a body. You, you're gone, right? Uh, you, you would not get very far in life without your head. Uh, someone help me. What are some responsibilities that you have uh, in your head? Your head is responsible for some things. Just name those things. What are they? Thinking, breathing, right? I mean, it comes out there. That's true. Uh, kissing. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's children present. Whoa. Kissing. All right? But a lot of our love is... Ex- oh, How about expression? A lot of your expression? Hearing. All right? Speaking, talking, seeing. All right? All right? Even tasting, right? Eating. It's kind of a thing. All right. You're it. You lose your head. You lose all of that, including your Absolutely devilish good looks. Yes, Julie, that. Right. She received that in Jesus' name. You're, but y'all were right. Your thoughts come from your head. Your vision comes from your head. Your speech comes from your head. Your hearing comes from your head. If you have ever been to a leadership training or read a book on the subject, you've probably heard these key words. You've heard mission, vision. And values. And those words will pop up there by faith. They will. Everybody say mission. Vision. And values. And before I go, one more moment. This, we're talking about the head of a leader. And so this, this sermon today is kind of heady. It's kind of thinking. And there, there are two types of preaching. In fact, it, there are two targets in preaching. You need to aim for the head. And you need to aim for the heart. All right, and one of the hardest uh, targets, really, for me is is the head. But if you can change someone's thinking, you will change their life forever. Y'all agree with that? I'm praying today. I've prayed this week that this teaching would hit somebody in the brain, would help their thinking, and that it would change their life yes, God. forever. Okay. All right, so will y'all preach with me? Y'all still with me? All right. Y'all ready to think? Y'all aren't afraid to think? Good, I love it. So, your head, all that it's responsible for, and we talked about vision, we talked about thoughts, speech, hearing come from the head, and they really come back to these key words, if we'll throw those back up, mission, vision, and values. Jesus had a good head on his shoulders, didn't he? Yeah. And he teaches us about these three words, pretty much. Mission, vision, and values. Now, these are kind of buzzwords in the leadership world, in the business world. And like most buzzwords, these terms can sometimes be used without really understanding what they mean. Some, some words like that are, you just throw them out so you look like you know what you're doing. Right? I've, I've known... Yeah, synergy, right? There's, there's a whole list of theological words that people like, you know, oh, eschatology, you know, and have you really... St-? Yeah, we won't go into that, but, but people get that way. And we can get this way about these words, so let's not. Let's actually understand what these words mean. Let's start with mission. Mission is what we need to do. Everyone say, what? What? Did Jesus ever have a mission statement? You've heard of that phrase before, mission statement? Looking in your Bible, do you think Jesus ever had a mission statement? Well, there are actually several places in Scripture where Jesus clearly gives the mission of what he needs to do. I'll give you one of them. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 19. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. And recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, what's so great is this is an Old Testament verse he's reading. He walks into the Bible. And this verse is about who? It's about the Messiah. It's a prophecy that Messiah will come. And Jesus walks into the the tabernacle, the temple, where he's not all that popular, guys. And he walks up and he takes the scroll. They didn't have, you know, a Bible like you and I. They had a scroll. It says he opens up the scroll. He reads this verse. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's he going to tell us about this verse we've heard all our lives? And you know what he does at the end? He rolls up the scroll and he says, this day has this been done in your presence. And he goes and sits down. I don't care who you are. That Jesus had guts. He just, he just raved a big red flag, big white flag, a big flag, neon sign, whatever that said, yo, you've been looking for the Messiah. Today he's come to you. And then there's further study that's believed that the chair he sat down was a chair no one was supposed to sit in. It was a chair reserved for one person when he comes. The Messiah, he goes and sits down. Oh, my Jesus, he don't play around, does he? Jesus don't play around, (laughs) y'all. And this is what Jesus came to do. This is kind of Jesus' mission statement in a while. We could point to some others, some really good ones. But I would ask you this. Did Jesus do all this that we read? The Spirit of the Lord was upon him, yes? Yes. Oh, yeah. Did he proclaim good news? Did he proclaim freedom? Did he give sight to the blind? Did he proclaim God's favor, his grace? Yes, yes, yes. yes. He did all of that. Can somebody say mission accomplished? accomplished. Now question, moving on. Does Jesus give us a mission? Yes, Yes. we call it the great Great commission, right? And it is what he has told his church to accomplish. So he's given every person in this room a mission. He tells us to go into the world and preach the gospel. He tells us to see people believe, repent, be baptized, and filled with the Spirit. That's found in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. It's found in Mark 16 and 15. It's found in Luke 24, 47. It's found in John 20 and 21. It's found in Acts 1, 8. That's right. It's five times in your Bible does he give out the great commission. Sounds like a big deal, right? We might should get to that one day, right? It's our mission, y'all. Jesus gave us a mission. We need to know the mission. A lot of Christians stop there. They don't know the mission. A lot of Christians, if you ask them, What is your mission? It's like, Show up to church on time. Pastor likes that. And pastor does like that. But that's not your mission. All right. You've got a far greater mission than that. You need to know your mission. And I'm telling you, you know your mission by reading the words of Jesus Christ because he gave us the mission clearly. And if you want to know more about that mission, you call me up. I'm down. Let's have coffee. We'll talk about your mission in Jesus Christ. How about that? Not only do we need to know the mission, but we need to set out to accomplish the mission. In fact, that's, that Jesus is waiting on us To accomplish the mission that he is supposed to be preached in every nation. We need to get to work. Redemption Church, do we have a mission statement? We do. And it's very simple. It's help people find and follow Jesus. That's a simple phrase. We try to keep things short so I can remember them. Right? And then the preacher likes the alliterative stuff, so we're like find and follow. That's gold. starts with the same consonant, right? It's a really simple uh, statement, but really, it is a shortened version, a very shortened version of the Great Commission, because when we find people and we help them find Jesus, that is the Great Commission, and we're helping them follow Jesus. As they follow Jesus, they're they're going to believe. They're going to repent. They're going to be baptized. They're going to be filled with. With his spirit, and then they're going to become disciples and they're going to fulfill that same mission, too. So that is our mission statement. All right. The head of a leader must have inside a clear mission. Again, what is the mission? It's the what it's the what we need to do as a leader. You need to define what you're setting out to do. Have you ever had like a group project? Why do teachers do group projects? Lord, do, can we, that's a whole nother sermon series one day. Won't talk about scripture, just will gripe about group projects. Anybody ever just been messed over with a group project? Come on. Oh, church. Y'all need healing. I can feel it. But you got these group projects and you meet together and y'all are talking. Y'all have been there an hour and you still have no idea what you're doing. If you're going to do something, it at least starts with knowing what you're doing. You got to know what you're doing. Look at somebody and be dramatic and say, "What what are you doing? A leader must set out to clearly define what we're doing. There needs to be no ambiguity about it. Let me tell you, churches are not about social hours. Let's set that aside. It is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not about a bigger, fancier building. No, it's not about that. If we could just get a pipe organ that was five tons instead of two tons, that would no. it is about Jesus Christ and making sure the next person meets him. You got to be clear about that. Well, guess what? You as a leader, you need to be just as clear about your personal missions. So you clearly define what you're going to do. Then you must clearly explain your mission. And y'all ever been there? Sometimes Christians are sometimes the worst about this. Because we, we understand Jesus loves us. We understand he wants people to be saved and be set free from their sin and repent. And then we go out and say, yeah, and you got to raise your hands like this. Like, oh, yeah. What are you doing? No, that's not what, what that What that is fogging up the clear mission. Not- no, no. Then we have to sing Chris Tomlin soon. <laughs> no, then we have to only sing hymns. Yeah. No, then we have to take communion a certain way or we have to do this a certain. You, that's foggy. And it, it messes people up from clearly seeing the gospel. I'm telling you, church, we need to strip some things away till we have nothing left but Jesus. That's pretty good, y'all. Strip those things away. Strip away tradition and just make it about Jesus. Strip away culture and You know, are we a rock church? Are we a choir church? Are we a hymn church? What are we? Strip it all away. It was never about those things. Let's clearly define what it's about. And it's about not a what, but a who. And his name is Jesus. And so you clearly define it. You clearly explain it. So now it's being shared. And now you know what you do after you share it? You celebrate it. And that's crucial. you got to celebrate the mission being accomplished. Heaven gets this really good. Because heaven has never failed. No, you get that. Heaven has never failed to rejoice when one soul repents. You believe that? You and I, we miss that sometimes, right? You're busy like going, my gosh, where are we going to eat after church? And somebody just repented and you you forgot. But heaven didn't miss it. Heaven Heaven always rejoices. When the mission is accomplished. Can I tell you? We need to be cheering one another on. We need to be rejoicing over the mission being accomplished. All right? Now, this works for the church. This works for everything in the body of Christ. And it also works in your personal life. Your personal life needs a mission. You got to know what it is. You got to clearly define it and share it. And then you got to celebrate it. Think about what that looks like in your personal life. Your family needs that. Your children need that. Your ministry, whatever your ministry is, needs that. Your career needs a mission. I challenge you to have a mission. I challenge you to actually write it down. Have a mission statement for the important areas of your life. The mission is what we need to do. Today, we, we were on a long trip. We were in Marble Falls, Texas this morning at a great church called Bright City Ministries, having a great time. We drove home and, you know, this was just really on my mind. So we just talked about it in the car. I encourage you to talk about your mission as a family together. Not one person should make that decision on their own. You should bring your kids in it. I said, And I, I loved bringing it up in our car. I said, kids, what do y'all think our family should be about? I heard from their own mouth, we should honor God. We should love each other. And we should help each other. And then they started thinking, try big words, gratitude. We need to have gratitude, be grateful for each other. We need to help each other be healthy. We need to grow as people. And guess what? That conversation might be one of the best conversations we had this entire week with our children we need to know what we are about. What is vision? Let's talk about vision. If, if mission is the what, vision is the how. Everyone say how. It's how we are going to do it. That is the vision. If mission is the what, vision is the how. Did Jesus have a vision statement? What do you think I'm going to say? Yeah, yeah,
0: good job. Uh, every time he talked about the cross... It was vision. He gave you his mission. We read that the vision is the cross. It's how he did it. It's
1: how he proclaimed freedom. It's how he purchased healing. It's how he brought the grace of God to the world. Do you see that's the how? Oh, man, there's a lot of people that form a mission, but they never figure out how to implement it. You need to have a vision that's How you bring it to pass. Every time he talked about the cross, it was the vision. He was telling them how. Mark chapter 10 verse 45 is a good place to see one of his vision statements. For for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve. How was he going to do it? This is how. To give his life as a ransom for the many. Visions can be complicated. I find visions to be a lot more complicated than the mission. The how is usually more in, complicated than, than the what. That makes sense. In, in fact, although every church should have the same mission. I'm really serious about that because Jesus gave us the mission. We shouldn't like just run around and make up our own mission. He, he gave us the mission. But we should not have all have all the same how, and I want you to stick with me on that because that's kind of a little next level thinking. I think we should all be about the same what, but we can have differences in how we go about accomplishing the mission. Here's one simple example. The apostle Paul, he was kind of different. Apostle Paul in Acts nine fifteen, it says this, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their Kings and to the people Of Israel. Now, he had the same mission as you and I to preach the gospel, but his how was different. He was sent to a people group no one else had been sent to before. He was sent to the Gentile. Paul had the same mission, but he had a different vision. His how was different. Here is our vision at Redemption Church. To be a first century church that connects to a 21st century world. All right? We could talk about that way too long. But here's what it really means. It means that we're called to be like that first century church in the book of Acts. Yes. And we want to have the same power that they had. The same passion they had. The same love for Jesus they had. The same willingness that they had to do anything for Jesus Christ. And we want to bring that to the 21st century. And we want it to connect to a brand new culture. We want it to connect. And there's different things about that. Because sometimes when you take something old and you bring it to someone in a new generation, they don't get it because you need to actually contextualize it in a way that they can understand it. All right. That's why when you drive down the street, no one is bumping uh, a song written in the 1500s by Martin Luther. No one's bumping a mighty fortress is our God in their Jeep. Show me. We'll bump it together. Let's do it. But they are maybe bumping, you know, a song by Lecrae where he's a rapper that preaches the gospel. They may be bumping some Kirk Franklin. They may. It's hitting their culture in a different way. Guess what? To receive Jesus, you should not have to step into a time machine and go back to someone else's culture. Y'all understand that? Guess what? Jesus needs to come to a brand new culture, and we, we need to bring him there by bringing him into the culture. For more on that, look up uh, Paul's uh, message in Mars Hill in the book of Acts. I believe it's 16. Look at that. It's, it's amazing. He actually goes to Mars Hill and he preaches to them without using a single scripture in the Bible. Look at it. He doesn't quote a single Old Testament prophet. Why? Because these are Greeks. They don't give a care about what an old Hebrew dude that's been dead for several hundred years has to say. So what does he do? He quotes their poets. Do you know what that's like? That's like you quoting Jay-Z to a young person. That's like you quoting BTS. I don't even know what that means. The kids are saying it nowadays. I don't know. But, But it's you. It's you using something in the culture now to present something to the culture now. That scripture that says, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Who's ever heard that verse? You've ever heard that verse? It's Paul, and he is talking about Jesus, but he's not quoting an apostle. He's not quoting a prophet. He's not quoting Moses. He's quoting one of their own poets. He's quoting their music. He's quoting their songs to bring Jesus into their world. That's vision. I'll spend a little more time on this. Here it comes. They've got a pantheon of gods there. He's in. That's in this area of Mars Hill. And so they've got like uh, Jupiter or Zeus over here. they got Mercury, Hermes over here. They've got every god they can think of. And he he is trying to present to them not one more god, but the true god, yes. Jesus Christ. And so how does he do it? He walks up. To a statue and they were so superstitious that they created a statue that said to the unknown God. In other words, they created a statue to the God we forgot to mention. If he ever shows up, we'll be in trouble. You get that? So it's like Hermes shows up. It's like Hermes, there's your statue. And then, you know, Zeus shows up. Oh, there's your statue. We love you guys. And then somebody, Bob, the God shows up and he's like, Bob, someone quick, make a Bob statue. I didn't know he was coming. Instead, they just said, hey, that's you. Hey, there's your statue. We'll, we'll mark it in. But Paul walks up to the statue of the unknown God and says, I found him. I found him. His name is Jesus. Now, I want you to get this. Paul's not for idolatry. But he uses an idolatrous culture to bring to them. That there is a God they don't know yet. And do you want to meet him? Praise the Lord for that. That is vision. Reaching into the culture. And as a church, we want to be a first century church. That connects with the 21st century world. All right, That's what we're called to be. I want to tell you that you need a personal vision. You need to know that how. How are you going to accomplish the what? Your family needs to know the how. Your career needs to know the how, and that takes some serious time, but you need to get down to that. And that's something you could share with other people and bring them into, into that. How are we, if, if our mission as a family is to love one another, how are we going to do that? What does that look like? That looks like time. That looks like prioritizing time together. That looks like that we don't let the sun go down on our anger. That, that, these are the, that's the vision. And that takes, it's way more complex to accomplish the vision than the mission. Okay? But it's through understanding your vision, you will accomplish the mission. The head of the leader must have a clearly defined vision. The what, that's the mission, does not just happen on its own. You need within your mind a clear vision. Vision. So mission is the what. Vision is the how. What about the values? What's a value? Values is what is important
0: and to be celebrated. What is important and to be celebrated. I really push you to
1: not forget about the celebration. We've all had the job. Y'all listen. Pastor's right. Y'all just get ready for amen. Because he's right on this one. You've all had the job where they had the, jo- they had the rule that if you broke it, you got in trouble. But they never, if you kept the rule, it was celebrated. That's where you say amen. You've all had that. And guess what? That is a downer, isn't it? We need to have values that are, that are kept. They need to be kept. These are rules. And there's punishment if we don't keep our values. But also that there's celebration When we do keep our values. All right. Did Jesus ever let let us know his values? Y'all are too good. Yes, the answer is yes. Of course he did. Many times he told us what was valued in his kingdom. Just about every parable about his kingdom, the kingdom of God is like, shows us what he values. The one sheep. That was lost, was so valued that the shepherd went out and got it. Did that show us what Jesus values? Yes. Yes. On and on. One of the best, perhaps, place where he shows us his values is the Sermon on the Mount. And there's a section in there we call the Beatitudes. Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 3. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does he value? He values those that are poor in their spirit. He he values that that you keep going even when you don't feel like it. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they
0: will be comforted. What is he valuing there? He's valuing those that are having it rough. But they can still
1: receive comfort. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. What What is he valuing there? Those that are meek. And meekness doesn't mean weakness. Meekness means strength under control. That you are so strong, yet you don't hurt someone else with your strength. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Moving on. Blessed are the merciful. They shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you. Persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Do you realize Jesus is showing us what he values? He's showing us what's important. What's celebrated in his kingdom. Every one of those things he values there has a reward attached to them, didn't it? Even those ones that were really like, oh, I don't know if I want to go through that. Let me tell you, it's a value that's celebrated. It's a value that's going to be rewarded. And all of heaven is going to celebrate your keeping of the kingdom values. You don't have to wonder what is honored in God's kingdom. He has told you very clearly. The values of his kingdom are incredibly clearly defined. At Redemption Church, we looked into uh, the early church in the Book of Acts, and we defined six key values that we took out for ourselves. Here they are: Jesus is number one. Everything we do should be about Jesus. Every worship service is about Jesus. Every sermon is about Jesus. Every time we come together, it is in His name. Everything we do is about Jesus. We value Jesus above everything. Above everything. Let me tell you, one day you might go get another pastor, but you'll never get another savior. He's above everything, all right? He's above everything. Y'all can clap for Jesus. It's for you, Jesus. We love you. Number two, spiritual transformation. We value that. We push that. We do things even really differently here. In some churches, most churches, let's be honest, most churches that you come in, you know, they'll make you really comfortable. We don't try to make you uncomfortable. It's just... Sorry, Elizabeth. Elizabeth thought that's funny. But they'll, they'll preach a nice sermon, and then they will ask, does anyone want to see Jesus for the first time? And there's one person back there, and they, they come forward, and, and, and this person is praying uh, the prayer of a sinner. And meanwhile, everyone in the house just watches that one person make a move towards God. And then they clap lightly after they've done it. Who, how many people made a move towards God there, though? So, one. And we ask for everyone who wants to pray the prayer of a sinner, come forward. And no, but only that one person can. We're all sinners. Yes. We all should be praying the prayer of a sinner. Yes. Do you all understand God. that? We should all be reaching. Who here wants to reach out for the Lord today? We all ought to jump up and say, yes, me. That's right. Me And well, here's what's so dumb about it. Jesus literally gave us this parable of a pair of a a Pharisee and a publican, the very religious man and the sinner. And this guy says, oh, look at them down there praying. (laughs) Thank God I'm not like them. That's the pair of Pharisee. And then this guy is the one guy contrite goes, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. And Jesus ends that parable by asking this question. Who that day left justified? Everyone in church should leave justified. Am I crazy? Or does that sound like truth? Oh, Jesus saying, let's all leave justified today. Let's not just watch somebody else go. In fact, that's a thing. There are so many people that never come forward because they think they're going to walk down the aisle and somebody's going to look at them and go, that's a sinner right there. What is that? Paul said, I am the chief of all sinners. You want to see what a sinner looks like? He's right here. I'm thankful for the grace of God. And we do all of this. Because we value spiritual transformation. Lives should be changed. Not just every once in a while, all the time. And my life should be changed every time. Your children's life should be changed every time. Amen. Moving on, I'm sorry. Community is number three. Community, now that you talk about a buzzword, every church talks about community, but not every church does it. We need to have a co-unity. We need to love each other, forgive each other, hang out with each other, bear each other's burdens, pray for each other. If you got a need, oh man, you've just got a bunch of help coming your way because we are a community. We see that in the New Testament church. We're all about that. Number four, we are about mission. Everything we do pushes towards the mission. We have a wonderful missions team coming next week. I'm so excited about it. Number five, cultural connection. We talked about that with the Mars Hill story, which reaching to the culture. That's a, that is a value for us. And then number six is, I love number six. It's willingness. Now one hits me in the heart every time, read through the book of Acts and think, hold the word willingness
0: in your heart. Them going to their death, but they're willing. Them going without, but they're willing.
1: There's one, I'll take it. We're going to go. you have one
0: of my favorite places in the book of Acts. It's Paul and Silas are together. And they are imprisoned. And they go to beating them. And guess what? Paul was a Roman citizen, and they had no right to beat a Roman citizen. Now, Silas was a Hebrew, and they could beat him all day. But Paul willingly kept his mouth closed and received the same punishment as his brother. They fellowshipped in suffering together. He was willing to do that. Is that powerful? That's
1: in the, we, I want that in us. I want us to be willing. I want, us, I want us to be willing to reach out to people we in the past we would have never seen us reaching out to, praying in ways we never would have seen us praying before, worshiping in those ways, being bold in ways that we never saw before because we're willing. We're willing to do it all for Jesus and we're willing to do it all for each other. Clap your hands. Isn't that wonderful? I love that. Sign me up for that. Mm. That's values. Now, these are guideposts for our organization. That's like big road signs that say, if you're willing, you're going the right direction. If you're worshiping Jesus, you're going The right direction. You got that? If you're in community, this is good. We're going the right direction. We're making, when we as an organization are making decisions, we remember our mission. We remember our vision. And we remember our values. And if the decision in front of us helps us fulfill our mission, helps us fulfill our vision, and helps us keep our values, then guess what? That decision is easy. Meeting adjourned. Let's go to work. Let's go do this. Let's say yes to this opportunity. For example, this decision honors and lifts up Jesus. I don't know. Should we do that, guys? Yes, we should do that. Should we encourage people to talk to God today or should we just kind of mail it in and send everyone home? What should we do? We should talk to God, right? That's part of our, our mission. That's, that's spiritual transformation. Should we? Next week, we're going to have that great missionary team, the Hadabas from Lebanon with us. Yeah. Yeah. And they're doing amazing things for Jesus in Lebanon. And they need support. They need people to pray for them. And they need financial support. Are we going to support them in our prayer? We are. Why? Because we're willing. (laughs) Because it's our mission. Are we going to support them with finances? Yes, we are. It's easy because it glorifies God. You see, you need to have your mission and your vision and your values working for you as you walk through this crazy
0: world. Everybody that has ever had an affair is someone who had their mission all messed up, their vision all messed up, and they weren't doing what they
1: valued. Nobody after the affair says, I always valued cheating
0: on my wife. No one. But they lost track of their value. I want to tell you, your family needs to have values. Your career needs to have values. Your personal life. Far
1: too many families do not value their marriage and their children, their
0: time, or God. Good leaders have more than slogans. We need to have more than a fancy banner with a catchy vision written on it.
1: We need to have more than to be able to recite a very uh, sticky and memorable mission statement. We need to have more than slides with nice art and graphics that list our values. We got to have more of that. You know what we need? We need to embody the mission, the vision, and the values. When people see you, they see the values, not a big artwork. Not a big website. No, they see you and they know what we're all about. That's why churches, listen, that's why visitors walk into a church and they
0: know immediately if they want to be there or not. Because they see, these people don't value me. I'm out of here. Jesus did this better than anyone. He embodied all of it. You tell me
1: if Jesus embodies these values or if they're just words. We're going to read... (laughs) The Beatitudes, one more time. Think about how Jesus embodies it. Blessed are the poor in spirit.
0: But theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, verse 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for
1: righteousness. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful. 8, verse, blessed are the pure in heart. 9, blessed are the peacemakers. 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. But theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11. Bless are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Verse 12. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way that they persecuted the prophets who
0: were before you. Now you tell me, does Jesus embody of that? No one does it better than Jesus. And it's so good,
1: he's not just given us slogans. We've seen enough of that salesmanship. Jesus is not doing that. He really is about the father's business. He really has come to save you. He really loves you. And he really was wor- w- willing to die on the cross for you. The head of the leader. Inside the head of a leader. Must be a mind that is focused. It's tuned in to the mission, the vision and the values. What starts in the head ends up in the body. Proverbs 23, 7 tells us that as a man thinks, so is he. The way you think, you'll end up becoming. If it starts here, you'll end up doing it. Every temptation starts here and then you end up doing it. What starts in the head ends up in the body. Your thoughts drive who you become. So think about your mission. Write it down. Put it somewhere you see it all the time. Your vision. Think about it. Church, we could all do this better even as a church. But as our home, in our families, we need to do this. And then our values. Inside the head of a leader must be eyes that see the need. Inside the head of a leader must be ears that hear And are ever learning. Inside the head of a leader must be a
0: mouth that is brave enough to speak. What's inside your head? Are you thinking enough? I think, whoa, I thought for a second I lost my microphone, but then it's still there. All right. I want you to ask yourself this. Am I fulfilling my?" And then you fill in that blank. Ask yourself right now, Are you fulfilling your mission? Are You fulfilling your vision? Are you fulfilling your values? Let me tell you, I can't find a boss who will say, "I don't value my team out loud."
1: But it is easy to find a boss whose actions say. I don't value my team. Is that right? I can't find the person who will say, I don't value my family. I enjoy not valuing them. Nobody says that. Can't find that person. But it's easy to find people whose actions say,
0: I don't value my family. You can't find a Christian who will say, I don't value the gospel. The gospel.
1: You can't find that Christian. But it is easy to find a Christian whose actions say, I don't value the gospel. I want you to think about your values as we're coming to a close. We're about to pray in this place. I want you to think about your home, Jesus, all of these things. All the places you say, I value this. Then I want you to compare that to your actions. I love my children. Compare that to your actions when you yell at them. Your value that you love your wife. And then you you don't give her the time. The value that says Jesus Is real and he's worth living for. But Netflix is so much more consuming of your time. Let that hit you in the heart for a second. We need our values to match our actions. Oh, we're just another used car salesman with a fancy slogan, with something on the wall that says this is what I believe, but it's not found here. Lord, let our values be found here and let them be found here. Let them be found here. God, let them be seen in us. In Jesus' name, if you want to pray in this place, I want you to pray.
0: For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.